0: Everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and I'm Kyle Dotson, and Kyle joining us today in the Zoom room from uh, from the state of New York. The guy's name yes. is Troy Torrison. He's been waiting to do this for about five months now, so let's bring him in. Troy, how you doing?
1: Great, great today. Thanks, guys.
0: So, Troy, I can't wait to be here. This has really been exciting. So Troy, where are you in New York currently in the state?
1: Currently, I am in my apartment building. Uh, we are a uh, one block away from the famous Mud Club, which is the subject of the show, which is in Lower Manhattan. It's uh, if you know if you know Manhattan at all, New York City. Uh, it's uh, it's south of Canal Street, basically. That's uh, one way of looking at Lower Manhattan. Some people go further north to you know Fourteenth Street, and anything below that is downtown, but. Um, we're pretty far downtown here, which has uh, been um, an, an interesting. It's been an interesting time the last uh, seven months or so. I'm since sure the, uh, since things have been locked down. Yeah, so and so yeah, that was one of the reasons why we we talked about doing the show.
0: And here's the reason Troy's here. Okay. Um, I did a Patreon. Was it a Patreon contest? There's a Patreon contest hey, where, yeah. where if you, if you win, it was just a random drawing. And if you win, you get to pick the topic and you get to co-host virtually. And Troy won this thing. And I, I swear to God, it was back in May. And we've been trying to get this uh, on the books for all these months. It's all my fault. I would, uh, I would actually forget about it. And then it would just jump <laughs> in my head. And then I would send Troy an email and say, Troy, I haven't forgotten about it, even though I actually did forget about it. And so, um, Eventually, uh, we got it all worked out and Troy, uh, Troy, the, uh, the title of the episode, are we just calling it the mud club or do you have some, do you have a, some better title? Not that that's not a good title, but I mean, do you have something
1: or it's just the mud club? Uh, I think you said the mud club, the mud club and beyond. I think we, we were saying, cause it, it is a little bit of past just the, the bands that would play there, but gotcha. I think there's this whole interesting <clears throat> time that I was thinking about it because, uh, I think that interesting time in New York, the late 70s to the early 80s, that's that's kind of the, the time I look back on as recent history of New York culture. And it was, a lot of it was because, you know, New York was cheap. Uh, people, artists could live here. They could afford to live here. And it was really the last time that happened. Yeah. And I was sort of thinking about right now, New York might become cheap again. <laughs> you know, some people are talking about these cities being dead and a lot of, there's so many empty storefronts. And I'm hoping that some of the cool um, culture that was created can come back because right now, if a young artist type, it's a it's a really hard place to live. And so
0: Troy, again, Troy's in New York. I'm in California, and Kyle, you are in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. This is crazy. This is look at this technology. It's like the Jetsons. They're triangulating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Troy, <laughs> it's how long? Futuristic. It's pretty cool. How long have you been in New York, Troy? All your life?
1: Did you, born and raised? No, no I, I was born in the Minneapolis suburban area, and uh, then I, I, I spent some time in Chicago. Uh, so I have a, some sort of torn loyalties between this, those two cities, and then um, moved to New York in the mid-90s. So I've been here long enough to probably be confused when I get asked the question, where are you from? And are you, uh, are you married? Do you have kids? Are you single? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm married. I, uh, have been living with my wife here since, uh, as I said, about, about 20 years and, um, in the same apartment. And, uh, our, we have a 17 year old daughter who is a budding musician. Excellent. That's
0: great. And, um, have you introduced some of this yeah. mud club music to her?
1: Uh, <laughs> that's kind of a funny, uh, maybe that's a good segue into something, but uh, with very little success, uh, <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, I played this, some of this in the car and my wife, uh, you know, we'll make a few comments about it later in some of the songs, but, you know, does not necessarily go over well <laughs> with the uh, more pop sensibilities of my, uh, my, my people I live with.
0: So when I first asked you about the Mud Club, I said, oh, is it like CBGBs? And you were like, well, yes and and no. Is it because the more well-known bands came out of CBGBs like Talking Heads, Ramones, Blondie, Television, and maybe uh, not so well bands came out of the Mud Club?
1: Yeah, I think some of those bands, uh, you know, performed there. Uh, I mean, the first opening night, uh, B-52s played. So they did have some bands that were, like, uh, more popular. But, um, yeah, I mean, what happened is, I think, is that the scene uh, around CBGBs kind of hardened into punk. It kind of became a formula. And people wanted more and more of that kind of, like, you know, hardcore. Yeah. And, um, you know, people started decamping into other places to get away from that because it got a little bit too macho. You know I mean? You know, punk punk gets a little bit uh aggressive with you know people uh moshing and all that. And I think that some of these more artistic types uh moved into other spaces just to try different things. And so you had this real flourishing of clubs just all over the place in Lower Manhattan, um in some uptown as well, like uh the Peppermint Lounge, mm-hmm. uh Danceeteria, you yeah, had dance clubs like uh Paradise Garage. Um, you had, you know, queer clubs like Pyramid. There were just so many interesting things going on at that time. Uh, and it was pretty much anybody seemingly could just open up a club. It seemed like, you know, there were all these empty spaces, all these old buildings that nobody had any use for. So I think that's that's one of the th- reasons why it's it seems like an interesting confluence of people coming to the city, attracted by the music scene and also just kind of changing and saying, oh, that's old hat. We're going to try something new over here. So this wouldn't be a club that had a bar because you 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 would have to
0: get a liquor license and all that. Was it just you could just bring your own beer in no. and whatever?
1: No, it, it, it did have a bar. It um, did? Most of these places were bars. Yeah. And they had, a, you know, a cover charge and they had, a you know, something like a, <clears throat> um, a DJ booth and all that sort of stuff, a dance floor at, at Mud Club, you know. So it, it was a, a proper club. It, of course, the neighbors hated it. Um, I'm glad I, I'm glad it's not open right now because I live a block away. I'd be hearing all the people smoking and talking and having parties outside. Um, in a way, it's, uh, you know, I'm now a, a grumpy uh, middle-aged person. So I'm sure <laughs> it would be much less popular today. And, and it, was, it only lived for, you know, ni- 1978 to the, you know, 1982
0: or so. Yeah. So only like uh, four or five years.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and then basically after that, it came, the city kind of got priced out of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, everything got too expensive.
0: Let's preface this with Kyle. Kyle, uh, in the history of Rock Solid, what's the worst episode that you ever produced? Is for, in regard to the music that uh, you didn't like? What was it?
2: Oh, it was Dire
1: Straits, for okay. sure. It was Dire Straits, for sure. So because then, I like Dire Straits. Well, dire Straits is like Dad Rock, you know. Like, like I like <laughs> um, Steely Dan. I, 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 I'm, I'm a very interesting uh, test case for you because I think I like. Uh, this, this weird, wimpy music on one side, and then the kind of edgy stuff on the other side, and then a lot of stuff in the middle I don't really like too much. Well, here's here's the setup
0: for this, Troy. Kyle sends me a text the other day, and the text says, Oh, no, I think we have a new winner for my least favorite episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. wise,
0: Music-wise. Music-wise. Yeah, yeah, Nothing totally. to do with you, I Troy. It. No,
2: it's <laughs> And uh, I was just listening to snippets of things when I was uh, don't couch your feelings, Kyle. Don't this is this is a loose base on everything. (laughs) And then I looked, I was like, Did you send me the same song 13 times? (laughs) Oh, based on how they all started, but no, no, he's making Uh, a joke, Troy. He's saying they all sounded the same to
1: him. Oh, wow, well, it made ACDC look like Bowie. Ah. <laughs> i mean there, there there, are definitely some uh clear the room there's some clear the room artists in this group where I can't you put on wait. music um and and people just like flee uh and i i i definitely uh you know i don't i don't play a lot of that sort of thing myself so i've tried to pick the poppier numbers and some of these songs <laughs> that are maybe a hard listen at first uh, well but, this you is... know, they, they're a hard listen at first they kind of grow on you know like um I'm sure you all have examples of this where it's like, at first, like for instance, in my case, the first time I heard the Ramones, I was like, ah, this is so hard. ah, I can't take (laughs) this. This is so anti-music. This is so non-commercial. I can't handle it. And now it's on AT&T commercials. You know, now it's the most bubblegummy, poppy sounding stuff. And it's like, what happened? Did I change or did what, what happened? And I think there's a lot of things like that, that, you know, you kind of grow older or whatever, and you just kind of like, start hearing things and stuff that you hated earlier. And, you know, you, you change and like, you know, it's um, maybe we'll hope to turn somebody on to some of this. I mean, maybe one or two of these tracks, will catch on with people and, and they'll go, Oh, I'll, I'll dig a little deeper and find out about some of that stuff.
0: Well, I'm, I'm excited to get into it right now. Troy, do you want to tell us, uh, whatever you want to tell us, Troy, you want to give us history. You want to tell us what, wh- whatever you want to tell us about the bands or anything we are, we're, we're an open book
1: and, uh, right. And what's the first, go ahead. Well, you know, setting the context of the time, right? So the late seventies, you know, there was this super, uh, you know, disco, you know, disco was huge. And so a lot of this music is kind of post-disco, anti-disco, but dance music. And then there was also at the same time, you know, bands like Foreigner, you know, super produced, head, you know, very popular rock bands and, and the cars, you know, new wave music was kind of coming in with things like um blondie and and so i think people that sort of wanted to stand out they were like well how do we how do we kind of do something more arty and different and more uh more less commercial than that you know and and what it led to is is kind of more maybe more interesting than what it was because i think a lot of bands like nirvana industrial music can trace its roots to a lot of this stuff um noise rock like sonic youth you know kind of got its start um you know, there were a lot of direct descendants and indirect descendants that I think are the most interesting. And and of course, the mud club also, um, attracted amazing artists like Jean-Michel Basquiat, you know, worked there, played in a band that sometimes played there. Um, you had uh, incredible filmmakers like, uh, um, Jim Jarmusch, you know, hanging out there, people like Steve Buscemi, the actor was hanging out there with, um, you know, just an interesting mix of people, and 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 just an interesting time in the city. So I, I just wanted to kind of, as a tribute to that time and that place, uh, have the show and this music. I love it. And this isn't in my wheelhouse at all, and I'm so excited if you could. Yeah, that's you, another reason. Is you know, I kind of looked at it in your database of like what you haven't talked about and bands you've never really covered, and and most of these bands I think have never been on your show.
0: That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. If you could, uh, if you could pinpoint and give us a who would be the most popular mud club band if there is such a thing?
1: Yeah. Is it dire wow. straits? <laughs> <laughs> Come you, wow. you are... um, um, was that just a drop?
2: Yeah. What happened, Kyle? Did you know that was like, that was an ad on the, this thing. I didn't have my ad blocker turned on. So sorry. <laughs> well, I can I ask what well, it was? I was an ad say, for? Oh, maybe that's, maybe that's some band. Um, Okay, I so I think it was a car or a beer commercial. Oh, are we going to get are, are,
0: are was, we going to get ad revenue from that since we put that out there real I, quickly? I hope so. I hope so. That would be
1: great. Okay, so Tari- I'd say the most popular thing that most people have heard probably is um there was a band called Liquid Liquid that that used a a, a lot of percussion and a lot of like instruments that are very bass heavy and it's very g- good like funky music and it's been sampled um, by uh, you know, one of the biggest rap songs of all time. So I think that's a song that most people have will hear and go, "Oh, I know that. That's that's from um, you know, one of the earliest big rap songs." Okay, uh, cool. White Lines, which was a big uh, rap hit. And what are we so getting? Gonna- that's that's not very popular.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what's the first song on the playlist today?
1: I believe we have Richard Hell and the Voidoids with. Blank generation. Now they're kind of like a pre-Mug band. So they're, they're kind of more CBGB's era. Mm-hmm. Um, older, I think, and was in the band television, like you mentioned them. They're kind of yeah. scene. But the term blank generation, I think, kind of defines this group. It's kind of like the we want to we want to X everything out. We wanna, you know, it's the, the, the sort of catch-all name for this music is No Wave, which was sort of like an anti-movement to say, you know, we don't want to be like punks, we don't want to be commercial like new wave we just want to nullify everything so that's why the music is so fun to listen to all right well let's listen to uh let's listen to this first song and i
0: have heard of uh richard hell so maybe maybe i'm going to enjoy this you ready kyle okay, this is an on the fly review. I liked that song a lot. That was cool. I liked how it took a little time to, to, for the song to happen. And then once it kicked in, I yeah. liked it,
1: Kyle. Yeah. I mean, it's got a little yeah, swing to it. It's got a little punk rock swagger. I mean, Richard hell is, um, you know, interesting character, kind of not super successful in the long run, but um, you know, he, he's credited with creating the punk rock look um, because he wore sort of like, you know, old army fatigues and would safety pin them together. And Malcolm McLaren went back to London after seeing them play at CBGBs and was like, you all have to look like this, man. This is the cool look. And people, uh, you know, sort of copied that look from uh, from Richard Helm. And did he safety pin them together because they were falling apart or did he
0: safety yeah. pin them? So he wasn't doing that to create a look. It, it was a necessity.
1: Right. I mean, that's that's usually how how fashion works, right? There's some sort of functional reason for something and then somebody misinterprets it. And then and over stylizes it. And it becomes kind of like a fashion state. Like for example, if I'm a hillbilly and my pants are falling down, I tie it up with a rope. Yeah. Or your <laughs> pants are falling around your ankles and that becomes a look because uh, I guess prisoners. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that, that, that pants falling down. The look is still a look, but uh, you know, there are all sorts of fashion yeah. choices that people make that I, I don't think there's any good explanation for, but um, apparently that is, that is a real story. Kyle, um, Troy and I are older than you are. Uh, when I see a
0: kid that his, his pants are falling, you know, his pants are down around his butt and his underwear is sticking out. I think that looks ridiculous. What do you think as a 30 year old man?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I, I'm, I come from it as I wouldn't like it if my pants were falling down. <laughs> it doesn't even look so, comfortable. Like, I, fi- I find it would be, uh, yeah, uncomfortable. You have
0: that to walk sense. in a way then that keeps them from falling down.
2: Yeah, I like sometimes I'll, I have like a few pair of pants that I like have to wear a belt with, and yeah. if I forget the belt and I'm walking, it's like super annoying to like keep hiking them keep up. Them up, and then am just like, I couldn't do this.
0: All right, and then the next okay. question is, uh, what did you think of the Richard Hell song?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I like that a lot better than the first five seconds that I heard of it when I was queuing it up. So,
0: so maybe you queued these uh, up no, and you, you didn't listen to all the songs, so you're going to get it. Oh, no.
2: I, I just like the heads and tails.
0: You did a snap judgment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Troy. What's next? We like that one. We're all we're all in on the Mud Club right now. Now, three songs in, we might hate it. Right. But right now, we're all, all right. in. Am I, am I muted? Um, no.
1: Nope. Okay. I can hear so, you now. I can hear you. I'm sorry technical difficulties here. Uh, The next song is contort yourself by James chance. Uh, He and the contortions uh, he's uh, kind of a, you know, I think you could do a whole show if you haven't already on, on the saxophone and rock and roll. Like uh, he, he was a saxophone guy. And I think um, he'd be on the, you know, more punk rock side of the saxophone. Those two things usually don't go together. No punk rock and
0: saxophone doesn't Uh, go together.
1: Well, that's about what we're here. What that's about what we're to hear.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Kyle, let me hear it.
3: It's better than pleasure. It's more than pain. But I Got what it takes to drive you insane. And now it is the time. I'll control this stuff your body. Oh, it's just your soul. Oh. <laughs> control yourself. Oh, control yourself. Hey,
0: sound like someone was farting the noise that the the horn was making sounded like a
1: (laughs) I didn't hate that either though no it's kind of (laughs) crazy fun I mean apparently that they were like a real riot live like I think that's one of those things that doesn't really maybe translate uh in recordings Mm -hmm. uh apparently it was. quite a uh fist flying uh confront the audience um quite a show so it's one of those I guess you had to be there kind of bands so I I don't really love a lot of their music but um that song I think it has some positive uh elements to it that you know it'll wake you up it's got a little bit of a tonic flavor to it like you know contort yourself get out of bed (laughs) yeah well
2: there's a lot of bands like that. like a it always has like a James Brown feel to it.
1: Yes, it does. Yeah. 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 It's funky. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, got a beat that you can uh, dance to, as they used to say on the Dick Clark show. Um, but <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not pop music by any means. So no. it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a vinegar uh, rather than a sweet tune. And it's also very DIY
0: and like a little bit lo-fi. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And I think that's a good segue to the next song, which is, you know, has that uh, very lo-fi early synthesizer vibe to it, which, um, you know, I think is, is one of the elements of a lot of these bands. They they were th- almost none of these bands recorded with any kind of, you know, spending a week in the studio on one song uh, budget, you know, these were all done like e- even when Brian Eno, you know, came to New York to record a lot of these artists. Um, he, they, they just basically recorded live and, and didn't, um, didn't do any studio trickery at all. So it is very raw.
0: Well, that's good sometimes too, because, um, you know, like sometimes a band is the best when they're live. And if a producer is able to capture that in the studio, then those records yeah. uh, kick ass. So let's see, uh, what happens with this band? What's, what's the band? What's the song?
1: Uh, the next song is by a band called suicide. And the song is dream baby dream.
0: All right.
3: Baby have Dream, every dream Dream, every dream Forever Keep down dreams burning over, baby Keep down dreams burning over forever Oh, driver dream. dream of a Dream.
0: Now here's my take on this song the the cacophony of uh, of I don't know what instruments those were that we were hearing, but if you if you put those a little bit down in the mix and you bring that vocal up a little bit and then you have Chris Isaac sing that vocal, <laughs> I, that's probably a hit song of some sort.
1: Maybe I mean, uh, so you could you could totally hear uh, you know some of the things that you know these guys influence, like the Cars, mm-hmm. their synthesizers. You you can in fact the Cars directly ripped off. Some of their stuff um depeche mode you know that sort of twangy little um synthesizer sound from the early days of like synth bands like soft cell those kind of bands you know they're definitely part of that whole movement uh but they were really early i mean they were like i think they started around 1970 mm-hmm. so it's like they were playing this and they got absolutely i mean one of the things that's so interesting about these guys is the how brave you had to be to get on stage and and do these droney synthesizer songs at a time when everybody was playing guitars. I mean, they were just literally booed off the stage um, so many times. So there's a lot of guts involved in doing something that's just totally unique. Like, they were not following many trends. They were not part of some, uh, um, you know, you know large vanguard of bands doing this they were out there on their ledge
0: but was a band like this accepted at the mud club like you could go to the mud club and do anything and you wouldn't be booed off the stage there
1: that's right so i think that's about you know these kind of artsier spaces were were safe spaces you know for some of these more out there acts uh because people went that to that place expecting uncommercial things they expected things that were you know for You know, the Midwest would be considered weirdos, you know, that kind of thing. It was, it was kind of like a club for weirdos.
0: I wonder, were these artists, did they want to break through and be successful or were they anti-success also?
1: I think, uh, a lot of them were anti-success. So, um, especially like the next artists we're going to play, uh, you know, literally, uh, undermined themselves at every turn, you know, (laughs) to not be signed by a major label, to not listen to a producer, to not, you know, um follow uh any commercial path that you know be like what blonde do what blonde did no do the opposite
0: all right and who is it who are we hearing
1: uh, the next artist we have is lydia lunch who was um fronting here the band uh, teenage jesus and the jerks <laughs> and the song is i woke up dreaming
3: Oh
0: no 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 no. <laughs> okay. All right, when you uh, when you watch a movie and they and uh, someone's trapped behind enemy lines and they have to play some music to make them give up the information, that's that me I'm I'm giving it up immediately. That sounds like a bunch of uh, like you just threw instruments into a nursery school and said, uh, "Have at it, kids!" <laughs> B- wow, yeah. yeah, that is wow, isn't it? I mean, that is the opposite
1: the of Blondie. You're right; that's the opposite of Blondie. Yeah, can you can you imagine the guts it would take you know, to get on stage? It, yeah, totally. And and the, to me, it's very gutsy you're to go sure on stage like go, oh, "Yeah, I'm good." I'm... <laughs> I mean, if, I, this, if is, it, this is this you is know,
0: if I saw that band on the stage doing that, I would think, well, this is a goof. This isn't, they don't really think that they're performing music. They're just, they're fucking with us.
1: Yeah. It's, it basically, I think crossed into performance art, you know, it crosses into, it's not really meant to be music in that they didn't learn chords or, you know, what music really is.
0: Chords or singing or music. Um,
1: the, uh, Those are old fashioned.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is, the first one, this is the first one where I'm like, no, I would never want to hear that song again.
1: Yeah. So we're starting to cross into the noise uh, start of the program right now where it's like the, the bands that get you know, uh, into the area of what I was talking about with Clear the Room music, where if you put this record on, you know, it's like that Yoko Ono or something just like <sighs> the Captain Beefheart where you just go, oh, what is going on? You have to recalibrate your ears um and i cannot imagine anybody listening to this for fun you know it's uh, it's uh it's definitely an acquired taste, kyle, a taste i really haven't acquired but i just wanted to give a a kind of like she was definitely a big part of the scene and this kind of music uh with you know noise uh you know kind of like metal machine music that lou reed album i don't know if you've ever tried to listen to that but
0: i have it, it, it but i have it because it came in a box set but i i put on about 30 seconds of it and i think like, i can't listen to this what were you going to say kyle
2: um, did we talk about the where the name of the Mud Club came from?
1: Yeah, I don't think we did. but it's um Mudd was a doctor who apparently uh, worked um to save John Wilkes' booth after I guess that's his biggest claim to fame. Um yeah, And the building that the Mud Club was in was owned by a famous artist, uh, Ross Bleckner. You know, you know, talking about art on a podcast is a little silly, but um
0: no, it's good.
1: Uh, but anyway, the uh, it was definitely, um, there is some history to the, to the area, into the building, um, and uh, the uh, friends who started it kind of immediately fell out, and some of their, you know, there's all these kind of turmoils. I have, one of the things I was going to do is provide, you know, for your listeners, uh, maybe a, we'll do a little prize bag of um, some of these books I got uh, about the club and stuff, including this one.
0: Oh, look at that.
1: By Richard yeah, that looks- uh, he was like the doorman and it's a, it's a big thick book.
0: That it is a nice books.
1: book. It is a good book. Yeah. And then um, this this book I actually really liked a lot. This is called Life and Death on the New York Dance Floor. This is also a very big book. Yeah, people will uh, like these really, books. Yeah, no. This would be a good giveaway. And it's um and then the third one is I have a vinyl doppy sealed, uh, of the, Eno album I was talking about. Nice. No New York, which, so we can mail that to some of your fans.
0: So Troy, you can, you can send that stuff to me and then I'll send it to the winners. That way you don't have to send it to three different people. It's a deal. All right, cool. Well, thank you. Those are great prizes.
2: Yeah, cool. And, and I want to say, I don't know if you got this email, Pat, I, (laughs) Troy sent what it, what I can only describe as a dissertation on the mug club, with like, and so, like, uh, so hearing him talk about this, you know, he obviously, you obviously know your stuff and aren't like us idiots when we're like, I don't know, maybe Kiss was bored this day or whatever. Like, I don't know why
0: he's a cat. I mean, I don't think so, there's dog uh, makeup, so he went with a cat.
1: Yeah, I, I although uh, having read these books, it's kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm, as I said, I, I, I definitely would never pass my PhD dissertation on this stuff. <laughs> Way beyond, there's a lot to know. And people who lived it, of course, would say, what's that idiot talking about it for? You know, people like in some of these bands, you know, they'd be much better <laughs> people to talk to than me. I'm, I'm no Rob Helford um, on the subject of <laughs> this stuff, but, um, <laughs> uh,
0: Troy, let me ask you something because we didn't get into this. First of all, you look, you look intelligent. Doesn't he look intelligent, Kyle? Troy looks yeah. intelligent. Yeah.
2: You, you look like you'd be invited to any panel to speak about whatever.
0: Whatever, yeah. You know,
2: like here's our expert, Troy, on.
0: <laughs> so what I want to know, Troy, is what what do you do?
1: What is your work? Well, uh, I've been a copywriter, creative director, uh, pretty much since I moved to New York. So I've been uh, in for different levels of the advertising business, basically. And about four years ago, I switched into. Consulting, okay. Um, so I'm still on the creative side of things, but for uh, a big consulting company.
0: Cool. So a smart guy who's slumming it today with Kyle and I. <laughs> Kyle, yeah, thank I
1: literally you. <laughs> literally took PTO today, paid time <laughs> off uh, to do this and other things because it's my birthday, and also oh, happy, um, happy birthday. birthday, Troy. Thank you, thank you, and also um, uh, the it's the anniversary of the of the Mud Club opening. It opened on on Halloween, so we're right around the. Uh, well. well Time all, all these all these dates kind of came together beautifully.
0: And Kyle dressed as Freddy Krueger today for Halloween, so that's I good. I love your sweater, I Freddy.
1: A, I wore a Tim Burton shirt. shirt. <laughs> shirt.
0: <laughs> Is one of your yeah. arms like really long and strange I like actually, a Tim Burton yeah. movie? Yeah, there you go. Kyle scissor hands. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, Troy, hit us with another one.
1: Yeah. So the next song is um, by a band called Mars. They're probably the most iconic. When well, I, I shouldn't even say iconic, because of these, none of these are icons that anybody would recognize. But they are the most. What's the word? Representative. Okay. Of this of this uh, group, and they were. Um, this song is called 3 E" by Mars.
0: A specific out cue Kyle do you have a specific out cue or am I am I on um,
2: uh, no I don't so if you just want to point dismissively okay but we haven't gone over 130 yet so
0: okay cool now here's the deal um I couldn't understand I couldn't understand anything that the singer was saying not one word of that
1: not one word yeah, not I, one I word had to Google I had to Google those lyrics too they're cool lyrics actually but it's totally unintelligible <laughs> and
0: then when you you were you brought up the Ramones earlier yeah when when you hear that compared with the Ramones, the Ramones could have turned up at uh, Arnold's and played Fonzie's birthday party compared to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's got a light, it's like the Ramones with more noise and more distortion and more yeah. uh, and, 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 and worse vocals. And um, it's like the Ramones turned to 11 or whatever, you know, it's yeah. just more intensely punk in some ways, but it was, that's, that's actually one of the more poppy songs they have. Uh, it just gets less and less easy to listen to after that. So their catalog is, is, is pretty tough.
0: And how many albums does a band like Mars have? How many albums do they have?
1: Like like zero.
0: It's just singles.
1: Uh, they, they were on... Um,
0: compilations.
1: They were, yeah, exactly. They're on some compilations Okay. things. They, had, they mainly released singles, I believe. And they, um, you know, like I said, they, these guys were not commercially oriented. They were, they were artists.
0: How long did what was the longevity for uh, some of these bands?
1: like in some cases, weeks. Um, <laughs> I have lists of <laughs> these bands that like you know are 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 much less successful than the ones that actually recorded. um you know, and it's just it was a very small, short little period of time. but I think Mars was together for a few years. They were right. one of the more together bands. but I mean, Sonic youth, you could say is is one of these groups, and they're still, yeah, they're uh,
0: still pretty,
2: going
1: still pretty recently anyway. Yeah. um
2: kicking I think that was the the only. Uh, name I recognized when I was looking this
1: yeah and and it's kind of debatable whether they were part of the scene because they started you know later so um they were definitely influenced by it that's why I kind of put them at the end
0: but if you're a big fan of the mud club and you want to uh, you want to tout someone you're probably going to say well sonic youth sonic youth came out of it
1: uh, kind of. I don't think they ever played there, but they played and, you know, that that setup of, of clubs around it. Gotcha. Know, I think the mud club probably had closed by that point. But um, the uh, yeah, definitely. They were they were the, one of the people that came out of that scene.
0: And um, we've heard uh, we've heard some women singing so far. Uh, were there a lot of women in this scene? It feels dangerous to me. I don't want my kid going over there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Lower Manhattan was dangerous. So we had Lydia Lunch, who was a female singer. Right. And some of these bands had females in the band. So um, I believe Mars has some, um, some. yeah, China Berg, I guess, is one of the people in the band. So yeah, the, some of these bands have female uh, members. And it was also kind of a white, you know, frankly, just like the punk scene, very yeah. white, you know, very kind of like, uh, um, you know, a lot of straight white males getting their aggressions out. But it was, you know, one of the reasons why, it was uh, so male is you know lower manhattan was a very dangerous place to be Mm -hmm. um as a single female uh but you know the photographs and things i've seen from the various books i've looked at um there were more women than you might think and Mm -hmm. there were there was even more diversity than you might think like i mentioned Mm jean-michel basquiat i don't think the scene was 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 you know overtly racist or anything like that right In, in fact probably the opposite these are the more the artistic types these are the more liberal types if you will than the punks that were hanging out at cbgb's but it's, of course, all this is hard to say. I wasn't there.
0: Um, if you were to if you were to tell me that every single artist who we're listening to today, they all died of a drug overdose, I would believe it. Because that's <laughs> what, when I hear this music, I'm like, oh, this guy's not alive anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I, I can't say for a fact uh, who was a junkie and who wasn't, but it's kind of appalling uh, how many people in this uh, scene um, had very bad drug problems. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know, in general, the whole scene kind of imploded, you know, is, is like so many rock and roll, um, scenes it's, it, people starting, start getting into heavy drugs and it just kind of falls apart.
0: We're in a pandemic now where we're wearing masks and, uh, I wear gloves if I go out to some places, you know, if I need to uh, shop for something, can you imagine the filth that was in the mud club and in CBGBs? Like if you had to go to the bathroom at CBGBs, I mean,
1: yeah. That, that bathroom is actually still in existence. Um, they saved it as like a, as like a relic. Uh, and there's now a John Varvartos, uh, you know, fancy clothing store in the old CBGB space, but they did save the bathroom. Um, and some other little moments of they uh, cleaned it, they cleaned it up though. Right. Or did they, Oh my God, I'm sure. Yeah, of course it doesn't (laughs) reek, but, um, you know, they saved the graffiti. Um, but, but some of the, uh, you know, you get some of the flavor of, of, of how toilet-like a lot of these places were. Yeah. Um, but also you look at the pictures of New York in the 70s and it was really bombed out. There was something like 350 fires in lower Manhattan uh, in one year. Wow. You know, just whole, whole buildings were being set on fire by their landlords to collect the insurance. Oh my but God. We're more dead than alive, you know, and, and that's, it's kind of amazing the city pulled out of that dive. Yeah. But um, in a way what it's turned into, you know, this kind of like shiny, um, condos for rich people, uh, you know, that, that never even live here. Um, you know, that's, that's a bit sad too.
0: It's going the exact opposite way.
1: Yeah. I think cities in general, uh, I hope, as I was saying at the beginning, like, I hope it sort of starts to, um, you know, we get some of these clubs that were closed down by neighbors like me, um, back you know i hope we get some of the nightlife in in our cities back and some of the more interesting artistic types can afford to move move into cities whether those are in cleveland or some other place they don't all have to be in new york i mean that's that's kind of silly um but uh you know certainly chicago also went through a similar renaissance when i was there it was really cheap when i moved there when i left it was starting to get um really pricey and fancy and there were atms all over the place and you know all these sort of dangerous neighborhoods that were the you know where the cool kids lived yeah in where the uh, fancy people wanted to live.
0: By the way, if you're just joining us, we we are we're talking with uh, uh, <laughs> Professor Troy Torrison. He's giving us a history of the Mud Club, and uh, he's Real lived he, he, he's lived it, and uh, and he's uh, he's taking but us if, through the history. Uh, Troy, what's yeah, the next it, tune? Yeah, the next tune is. Uh, are the songs getting uh, worse, or are we gonna are we gonna go up? Are we gonna? Well, they're gonna
1: get different. Um, they're gonna the get different. Okay. Is- the next tune is also a, a hard listen, but it's it's by a band called DNA, which was um, a guy named Arto Lindsay, who's who's in the Ambitious Lovers. You might have heard of them. Um, but the the
0: I'm uh, an Ambitious was, Lover, Troy. <laughs> Excellent.
1: <laughs> uh, but this song is called Blonde Redhead, and this song in you know a band named themselves Blonde Redhead after this song.
0: I love the title. That's great. Uh, Okay. Now with this one, I did like the music at first. It had kind of a chug a chug and it had a little bit of like a country tinge under there. And then when the singer started, I, th- the first thing I thought of was, Oh, this guy's on a ledge of a building and he's ready to jump. And people yeah, are, a lot are of
1: anxiety a lot yes. of anxiety coming through there. That makes me it, the, listening to that makes me anxious. It's yeah. Like, that, uh, that, that puts living.
0: me on edge a little bit. That one, Kyle, yeah. what thoughts yeah, from so, Kyle?
1: I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not a huge fan of that vocalist either.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I liked the, where the music was going and then it didn't go anywhere. Like it just like <laughs> kind of just kept, but um, yeah, the, and the vocals were.
0: Horrendous. I, I
3: this feel,
2: might not be as bad as D- dire Straits, though. I but feel yeah, like like, I'm at least awake.
0: <laughs> I feel like any of this music, if Bowie wrote lyrics, like you said, Kyle and sang over it, it would be uh, it would be amazing. We would find something to uh, grab hold of, but uh, maybe these uh, these singers and lyricists didn't have the the chops. Although Troy said, if you can read the lyrics, sometimes they're good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that this uh, they're going for an effect here. They're going to try to sound like you know, like art music, anxiety. You know. Uh, that, that, that's kind of like an actor on stage, you know, <laughs> ah, panicking, you know, whatever. It, it has that, that feeling of like a performance. It's performance art versus uh, music, I think.
0: And Steve, and, Bus- and, and Steve Buscemi's uh hanging out in the back of this club watching all this.
1: Yeah. And, and David Bowie is trying to get in the front. There was a story about uh, Bowie getting turned away or uh, by the, at the door because they, they thought the guy at the door, um, didn't believe it was David Bowie because David Bowie should be tall. And they were like, didn't realize that David Bowie was just like five foot nine or whatever. Their their image of Bowie was like six foot five. And, And so Bowie stood out front in the cold, apparently. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite. And you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. you know, with, with everybody else waiting to get in. It was, it was kind of a hot ticket uh, about a year after it opened. Apparently it was almost impossible unless you knew somebody to get through the door. So did it, were they making money there? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, a lot of these clubs, um, you know, did pretty well for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the famous one, of course, is studio 54 where they made so much money. Uh, they were, they were filling dollars into garbage bags and putting them in the ceiling until the feds got wind of that. And, uh, found some of the garbage bags
0: <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> and, uh,
1: and shut that down. So the disco, uh, world, uh, dealt was dealt a huge blow, uh, at that moment. But, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, some of these clubs made money, but, um, you know, of course the partners started fighting over it. Yeah. That's always the case.
0: And they probably, and the bands probably weren't making money.
1: No, I don't think so. I don't mo- think most of these bands made a dime really. I mean, if they did, they w- they made drinking money, you know, that kind of right.
0: Thing. put it all back into the club.
1: Or in your veins?
0: In your veins. Kyle, what's next? Or I'm sorry, Troy, what's next?
1: Next is Liquid Liquid with Cavern.
0: All right, I like this a lot so far. When's it gonna break bad? my favorite one so far i like that yeah. one a lot yeah yeah that, no, that's
1: a... i like that too um it, it, it's uh as it, like i said that's been sampled uh famously uh and it's uh there was a huge lawsuit over it but the band the the uh, the people they sued went out of business before they could collect so that's a sad story yeah um but um yeah that, that's funky <laughs> music and, and they have a couple liquid liquid has a couple of really great tracks that I think, uh, if you like that funky kind of, but kind of dark haunted, it's like haunted disco. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really cool music.
0: Kyle, write that down haunted disco. Let's pitch that to Netflix. (laughs) We'll see if we can get Mike Flanagan on board for that haunted disco, write it down. Um, yeah, that was good. I like that one a lot. Liquid liquid. Now they, they must have albums.
1: I don't believe so. If they or maybe they do. Yeah, okay, maybe they do, but I know it mainly on compilations. All right. Uh, again, they were like singles uh, a lot of them and they were they were actually um you know on on this really influential record label called 99 Records. 99 Records was um a, New, a a New York label that had a lot of these weird um indie bands and uh it was a hangout for people and the Beastie Boys I guess met Rick Rubin there I think is one of the stories. Wow,
0: that's a great that's a real good story because look at that
1: yeah. yeah and then this kind of music that you're hearing this kind of funky that 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 sound um you can really hear a lot of the club music that kind of came after disco like madonna with that really heavy bass and that sort of um drum machine kind of locked in flavor i think a lot of the, this uh this sound this kind of synthesized um dance music sound you know it had a big uh influence on people
0: very nice i like it what's next troy
1: Next uh, is a little um, other funky uh, side uh, of music, which is a band called ESG, which stands for Emerald, Sapphire and Gold. And the song is called Moody. All
0: right. percussive like i'm into the drums and the bass but then uh, a lot yeah. of these songs there's not like i'm not hearing a lot of guitar
1: no the last two <sighs> bands uh, much more uh, uh funky obviously mm-hmm. and um and and i you, i mean i hear a lot of madonna and and that kind of early uh that that sort of early 80s dance music that was going around um that that uh she you know borrowed
0: <laughs> and you know and, and i think she had a little bit of success with it i believe
1: yeah i've heard of her yeah she most people have heard of her i think so there definitely was um you know uh, some successes that came out of these these bands that were playing in these small clubs but unfortunately esg uh didn't really make uh the kind of money madonna did
0: <laughs> and the the vocals on that song uh reminded me a little bit of a like a cindy lopper type of uh you know voice. Um, what, what did, um, cause I don't have pictures of these bands, but you've obviously seen them in books and stuff where, were they appealing to look at
1: um, or were they a rough looking group? <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I would say they were mostly like under, uh, they, they under leveraged their, their looks if they had looks, you know okay. what I mean? Like they didn't try. So I can't think of any of these bands that really, uh, you know, had costumes or, you know, pre- performed with a look per se. Im- know, I image wasn't, big... uh, image wasn't important. Right. So I think that's one of the big advantages of the new wave acts. Like, you know, bands that really thought about that stuff, like Bauhaus, let's yeah. say, or the cure or something, they had like a look, you know, hair yeah. or you would, you know, you, a band like, of course, Duran Duran, you know, mm. you know, had incredible, you know, visual style and incredible importance of, of, hair and makeup and all that sort of stuff. And, and um, most of these bands that we're talking about, I think uh, we just, you know, strong up in their street clothes and not really thinking about that or not even thinking about having their instruments being in tune. Either. Yeah.
0: I mean, even the Ramones, I mean, they, they wore a costume, jeans, t-shirt, leather jacket, you know, Converse sneakers that, that, that was their branding,
1: Right. It's, yeah. That's all about knowing, you know, knowing who you are and being the same consistently. So people go, Oh, that's Johnny. Yeah. That's DD. You know, I know what they, they, their hair and their, yep. their look was the same. And they, they really were smart about that. Yeah.
0: I, they absolutely were.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, some people, the bands that I'm, most of these bands that I'm playing, I think they, they looked at that as being, you know, fake. So don't be like that. Wow. That's great. And I respect that. I mean, I respect people that kind of look at, you know, rock and roll as being too corporate. And so let's, let's be real. Right. Um, but, there, the mistake is of course that, uh, people like that stuff.
0: <laughs> Let's, uh, and ultimately, let me ask you this, Troy, cause I don't, um, cause this will help us a little bit. What are your, who are your top three favorite recording artists? If you had to narrow it down to three, could you do it? Yeah. That way we'll know what kind of music you actually like.
1: Right now that's a tough one.
0: I mean, what if he it, says Madonna I like Britney Spears, <laughs> I like Madonna. so and I like I, Maroon Five.
1: <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. Um, okay, so I'll just I'll just go back into my history. Okay, so I, this is this is more of a history lesson than it is like right now. Okay. Cause I think right now is tough. Um, but um, I loved Pink Floyd mm-hmm. when I was in high school. They were like my favorite group. Okay, and then around college, I loved New Order. All right, and then in in the um, say two thousands or so, I love Radiohead. All right, that's that's cool.
0: That's totally cool.
1: So those are three, and there's some overlap in those kind of bands. But basically, that's kind of like alternative-ish, classic rock-ish, you know. But I I also you know go down a lot of rabbit holes of different things that I like. So you know, Elliot Smith, or you know, somebody like uh, you know, people who are like more surprising to you, maybe like I like. Bob Marley, you know, <laughs> there's all sorts of great stuff out there. And, I, and so my, my connection with music wasn't so much one or two artists, but I would make for my friends mixtapes. Okay. And my, my, um, I called them variety tapes because they would have everything from, you know, some of the music we're listening to these very obscure groups to um, Smith songs to, you know, Bulgarian folk music, you know, just, just all sorts of weird stuff that that I would hear about and find out and, and um try to, you know convince people hey check this out thank god troy
0: didn't pick bulgarian folk music as our topic today
1: (laughs) yeah that's a tough rock and roll sell (laughs) i don't think it's rock solid do you uh troy you have access to live
0: music in new york not right now but uh do you go to shows
1: i i mainly have gone to see my my daughter uh shows so uh she's you know got a little scene going with her um that that world that she's a part of. So I've seen quite a few artists um, through her contacts and things. But um, no, I'm not a big live music guy. and never really was. Okay, it's a, it's kind of I'm sort of sad to say it, but I, I would you know go to see shows in college, and I went to show shows you know occasionally with friends like to see the Beastie Boys or something at mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden. So I would see shows, but I mean, it, my main contact with music was um, I like. Uh, I like recorded music, so I would like um going to clubs and things and and uh so when I was in Chicago, I don't know if you have Cabaret Metro.
0: Oh yeah, I, yep, I I was there many yeah, times. So I would
1: go I would be in the I would be at the uh smart bar downstairs yeah. listening to the DJ versus upstairs listening to the, the live bands. Gotcha for the most part. I find the live band experience a little bit, you know, you're just sort of facing the stage and most of the times the bands were kind of boring, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see a lot of great um bands sort of by accident. I have a few stories of like walking in and just, oh, this is this new band called Smashing Pumpkins and they're playing tonight. You know, but I didn't have many uh, wow moments seeing live music. I, I generally was sort of disappointed. Is your daughter a solo
0: artist or is she in a band?
1: Um, I'd say a little bit of both. Uh, she's in a band uh, sometimes when she plays live, she sometimes plays with a band, um, but she can also, you know, singer-songwriter kind of stuff. Uh, she's Her name is Emrose and she goes by that band name emrose e-m-m-r-o-s-e and is there music on uh,
0: on uh, itunes or online that we can find
1: oh, yeah all right yeah it's on spotify it's on itunes um all the platforms and is she is she signed with anyone like a label right now or is it all independent uh, she's still independent, but she's uh, got a sync deal. If, if, uh, if you know your world, world of music. Um, so her, her work could be in commercials and that sort of thing.
0: All right, cool. Well, let everyone check uh, out Emrose, E M M R O S. Okay. Check that out, everybody. Let, yeah. uh, let's let her, let her music spike a little bit. Thanks to, uh, thanks to our listeners.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's a good segue to the next band, which is called Bush Tetras. Oh, wait, say that again, uh, Troy. Bush Tetras. Tetras. Okay. Like the tetra is the fish, I guess. I don't know really where this term comes from, but uh, this is kind of like the closest thing to a no wave girl group. All right. Um, they uh, they have a song here called "Too Many Creeps," which is what women often feel like when they're walking down the street.
0: And is, this is going to sound like the Go Go's, I assume. A little bit. Oh, I was being—I uh, was just kidding. Let's see. All right. <laughs>
3: I just don't wanna go out on the street
0: Cool. I could actually, uh I could actually hear Debbie Harry sing something like that.
1: Yeah, it's got a little of that, um, you know, funk in the background, like we had from some of those earlier yeah. songs. But um, yeah, there's some good songs by them. I, I think they're one of the ones that got away. They kind of uh, imploded, but I think they've had some reunions and things. They they got a little college radio play, mm-hmm. but. Uh, You know, it's uh, definitely, I think, a good sound, Uh, that kind of girl rock uh, band sort of sound um, that uh, I I wish there were more bands like that.
0: I feel like the songs that I'm enjoying, like that one, aren't really indicative of what the Mud Club was about. I think if it started to veer into anything mainstream, then it wasn't Mud Club-esque. Am
1: I right or wrong? I, I don't think it was that difficult of a listen to be there. I, I get the, I, I, there actually actually in one of these books, um, like a playlist of what the DJ played mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a given night and some of the lists of bands that played. And a lot of them were more, a little more mainstream and a little more palatable. Okay. I, I wanted to give you a range of things. Um, I get you. But um, the, the uh, yeah, uh, the, the um, that band would play there would play at the mud club. And, you know, I think I'm sure it was a, it was a good time.
0: I mean, I could take any genre of music, whether it's folk music or Americana or heavy metal, and I could play you a bunch of shit songs from that genre and you'd be like, Ugh. and then I could play you good songs from that genre and you'd be like, oh, this is good. So I get it. Okay. I'm getting it now. I'm learning. Yeah. Professor yeah, I mean, Troy Torreson.
1: I, I don't think all this is, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm giving you a sample of a, of a, you know, a tiny number of these groups that were part of this and, this is meant to be kind of the, the, the intro. I think most people will find the deeper you go, the harder it gets.
0: Okay. All right. Let's move on.
1: Right. So next we have one of the people that was on one of the earlier bands, uh, Glenn Branca. Now he, um, was a real musician and, um, kind of no, wait, as an artist but
0: wait know, a minute really that that makes me laugh troy because <laughs> it makes it sound like no one else we've heard yet is a real musician but here's one here it he is, guys
1: this guy's the deal well he became like a, a, a kind of a famous composer okay you know? so he became like he started doing these guitar symphonies and um basically went in the direction of classical you know whatever we call classical music today but it's like um I think that that that's an interesting little offshoot of this of like kind of like super modern classical music like, um, you know, that, you know, people like John Cage and those sort of, you know, avant garde composers got into um, noise, for lack of a better term. (laughs) And about we're about to hear some.
0: Okay, let's hear some noise. Number one. That was rough that's rough yeah. It's a little rough um, i like
2: the drums
0: <laughs> yeah yeah all right thank you Kyle, for being positive
1: <laughs> the ones? yeah uh, let's is hear it whole Kyle. album like that uh, a lot of his stuff is like that yeah it's okay it's, it's very much the whole body um, of work it's it's meant to kind of wash over you i think as a uh you know some of it's easier to listen to than others but um i just wanted to give you a flavor of like the more out there stuff and it's uh it's uh, it's definitely um uh, an acquired taste
0: and now is that something that you would listen to you would throw that okay good <laughs> no <laughs> not at all all right cool
1: <laughs> no i just wanted to give a range because i think people might get the wrong idea They're like oh this why wasn't this pop music celebrated more mm-hmm. widely and it's yeah. like well there was a lot of stuff like that and a lot of you know art spaces uh, downtown that would play, you know, you just sort of walk into the room and hear, you know, 45 uh amplifiers blasting that and um leave the room.
0: All right. I would think like if I walked into that room and there were people that were that were looking like they were actually enjoying that music, I would not believe it at all because I'm cynical. I'd be like, these people, they, they don't really like this. This is their They're being pretentious. They're pretending that they like it just to feel like they're self-important.
1: Yeah, or they're they're friends with the artist. Right, or they're friends with the artist. Because they're sort of, they're they're there to uh, encourage him. But, you know, he got commissions. He got um, a lot of people, uh, I don't know um, if he was very charming, Mm -hmm. but um, to me, have if you put that on paper and wrote that as musical uh you know wrote that out for the people in your band to say okay guys this is what we're going to be playing tonight you know it'd be like you need some guts to do that yeah um but uh and on paper
0: on paper it might be pretty intricate
1: yeah definitely yeah and i think that the people uh who are influenced by that like you said they hear something in that uh even though they may not stay for the whole concert, they go, Mm -hmm. Oh, that gives me an idea. And the band that kind of was most inspired by that was, uh, was the last band Sonic Youth, which, you know, there is a lot of um, Glenn Branca in the way they played their guitars, the way they tuned their guitars, weirdly. Um, They kind of like, uh, you know, had those kind of angular kind of moments of things, speeding up, slowing down, that kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, that is, kind of like the the end point if you will for this show and this 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 genre of music this no wave music it's a genreless genre but um it's uh you know sonic youth really kind of came out of this and i think influenced a lot of bands like nirvana and bands that that uh that also played with noise and feedback and things like that so the last song is uh from the album confusion is sex kill your idols by sonic youth
0: all right let's hear it, kyle Excellent. Troy, you know your stuff.
1: I don't know. Yeah, he's I, a professor. I, I think you can kind of hear that that sort of like a synthesis of a lot of the things we're talking about. It's got that sort of, um, you know, a lot of noise in there, a lot of dissonance, but also there's a pop song in there somewhere, maybe too. And they yeah. sort of put it together and they became obviously the most successful band to come out of this.
0: Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's funny what we didn't hear in any of these songs were uh, one, two, three, four. Like no one counted in. It was just um. Here we go. We're off and running to the yeah, avant-garde it's, uh, races.
1: It's, it's pretty hard. And, and, you know, they obviously they, they tone themselves down, I think, more than most of these mm-hmm. uh, people because they they had a long career, you know, and it's like they they tried different things and some of them were much, much poppier than that.
0: Well, Troy, uh, it was a long time coming to record this, but I hope uh, I hope you had fun. Definitely. And here's what I want to do since uh, since we're out of songs and even though it doesn't go in with uh the theme uh of the show today, I would like to play out with an em song. So is oh. there is there one that you can you can recommend and then uh I will purchase that and I will uh, tack it on to the end of this episode.
1: Sure. Well I think her uh her big hit, if you will, is okay. called Tonight. All right. Uh, it, it you know because this is now, for me, heading into night, uh, that would be a good one.
0: All right, so we're going to play out with M Roses tonight, and it'll uh, cleanse the palate of what we've uh, what we've heard. And yeah. Troy, are you are you on social media? Are you on Twitter? Do you want people to follow you?
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh yeah, you know, sure. Okay. Um, actually, Which if you... you want to follow me, I, I have a lot of mixed uh, variety, mixed uh, collections on Spotify. You can find me very easily on Spotify. That might be a good place to start.
0: And we just search your name, Troy Torrison? Yeah, I'm the only Troy Torrison in the world. All right. When you, and you're a professor. So look for <laughs> Professor Troy Torrison on Spotify. <laughs> Kyle, what's going on with you?
2: Um, not much. Still working, and that's about it. And how long are you going to be in yeah. Texas? Uh, probably through the holidays, I would assume. And through Christmas? I think so.
0: And you moved down there to join a militia, correct? I did. All right, good. Um, and this is your, this is, uh, this is your wife, Marissa, or I'll say my niece. I can say my niece, right? I got a fucking niece now. Uh, Your
2: niece-in-law.
0: My niece-in-law. This is her time of year, Halloween, right? Yeah. So is trick-or-treating banned in Texas right now?
2: Yeah. Well, um, yeah, her sister lives in Houston. So she's coming for the weekend and they're going to make cupcakes and
0: stuff. All right. So you'll, you'll have some Halloween celebrations.
2: A bowl of Frankenberry, It'll be all good.
0: (laughs) All right. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Dotson Funny. You can find everything about the show, uh, at uh, www.rocksolidpodcast.com. Kyle, do I need to say the W's anymore? No, I I don't don't think so. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at rock solid show. And, Troy, again, thank you so much for doing this. I will send you my address. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. What are you going to do tonight? Anything? Is your wife going to cook you a meal?
1: Uh, no, we're going to order in, but uh, we are uh, we definitely, I, I, we've got cake, so we're good. All right, cool. And how old yes. of a gentleman are you? Can I ask that? I think we're the same age.
0: I think we're uh, mid 50s. I'm so. 56. I'll be 57 in February. Uh, so you're a touch older than me. Well, you didn't have to say that, Troy. <laughs> That's something I didn't need to hear. No, um,
1: oh, no. Just just a just a hair. Uh, no, we're 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 practically the same. Okay, uh, cool.
0: I will, uh, I will send you uh, I will send you my address so you can send me those awesome prizes. That's terrific. And then uh, we'll think of some uh, type of a question for that. That's it. That's the show. Everybody enjoy Troy's daughter Emrose and the song is Tonight.
3: I could lie and say I'm fine but that's useless Is it the people or just stress makes no difference Over there I see your stare and it's intriguing Is it my eyes or the perfection of this evening The strobe light so turn on